Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Um, I have some exciting news. Um, I am having, hosting an amazing event in downtown Los Angeles, California, and I want you to be there. It's an all-women's event, and obviously seating is limited because it's, it's a small space, and um, we want to make it as intimate as possible. But here's the thing about it. Um, this space is so killer. It's on the 51st floor um, of this building in downtown Los Angeles, and I would be so honored if you could attend. Um We will be having these amazing speakers that are going to teach us about money, about mindset, about movement. And um, imagine being in a space with these leaders um, where you get to um, get to know their journeys and their tips and their hacks to be the best version of themselves and you get to be the best version of yourself as well as you attend this amazing event. So I have a link in the show notes. Um, you can just sign up. Um, obviously, it's limited seating and the price will uh, go up in March, but uh, you have an amazing opportunity to get that um, discounted price now until the end of February. Just know that that is like my Valentine's gift to you. So like I said, it is on March 18. It's an all-day uh, workshop where we get to talk about money. We get to talk about mindset and manifestation. So I can't wait to see you there. And like I said, the link will be on my show notes so that you can uh, register. Very easy peasy, nothing complicated. And um, know that um, uh, you're in good, great hands. And there'll be some raffles and um, a lot of exciting things are happening. We're working out the kinks in terms of the agenda, but 
rest assured, it's going to be top-notch, first-class, and um, you are worthy of having it all. So come and join us that day. Well, hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I'm excited for today's episode. Um, I have a beautiful friend, Amiga. Um, I just met her and I fell in love with her and she is going to mesmerize you. Her name is Diana Hernandez Wayne and um, she has an incredible story. And um, what I really enjoyed about her was this ease and grace despite everything that she's been through. And um, another thing as well was, was that on her Instagram, I mean, she says, you know, she helps you heal your shit. So, you know, amiga, amiga, handle your shit. I mean, come on, like you can't write this stuff, you know? So I'm so excited to have her here. Um, she helps you to create your own rules and live a dream that you can never even think of because it is so magnificent and she will help you create that life. So um, my beautiful friend here, she um, is a life and loss coach. And, uh, but before that she was uh, in the e-commerce world and um, she was a director at Method Products. And um, she has her calling and she's been creating programs um, and I'm so excited for her to share what she's done and how she can be there to support you and in your new life because we all have a new life to create, especially nowadays. There's so much grief out there. And, you know, without further ado, um, we want to have her come on. And I mean, I can't wait for you all to get to know her. So without further ado, this is Diana Hernandez Wave. Hello, 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 amigas. And Welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I am so excited to have this beautiful soul in front of me. Oh my God, she's got such a story and I can't wait for you all to experience her. OMG. Okay, so she is not only an amazing person, I, was, I had the privilege of meeting her a couple of days ago, but her story really resonates with me and I'm sure it's going to resonate with all of you out there, amigas, because there is a point in our lives that we will all experience grief, all of us. And her story is, is like epic in the way that what happened, what unfolded, taught her so many things and at the same time allowed her to grow. And now she's a life coach extraordinaire. I can't even like, the things that she has done, I mean, I just need to get right into it because, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And um, I know that you're going to love her story. So welcome, Diana. Welcome, Thank welcome to Amiga Have Your Shit podcast. So oh. I'm excited. So, you know, so that the, the Amigas out there can um, get to know a little bit about you why don't you give us a little history about you and your family where are you from yes. um i know uh, you're i know you're latina 
but you know, there's, there's more to it than that. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be on this podcast. I love it. I was just immediately like, yes, I'm so excited. So just excited to be here. Let me start with, I would say stage one of my life, then I'll shift into stage two and where I currently feel that I'm living, which is stage three and stage two is really the grief. So stage one is, um, my family. Family is immigrants from El Salvador. They came in the early 80s and they arrived in Houston, Texas, which is where I was born. I'm the youngest of four girls. And, um, you know, it was a immigrant work hard, push hard, do the best you can mindset. And growing up, I got very close to my sisters because my parents were working. And from an emotional support, my sisters were really there. The oldest sister is eight years older, and then there's four of us. So we're pretty close in ages. And it was just like, bam, 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 back to back, right? So in growing up in Houston, I grew up surprisingly in a really decent neighborhood, very diverse, and just had a lot of great experiences. And when I graduated high school, my sisters had started to go to college, but they were they were working full time, stopping and going. And I decided that I also wanted to go to college. And going to college was the thing, right? Like you made it as an immigrant family, you made it. it like that's the whole sacrifice is to go to college, right? That's why they leave, they leave their country. That's why they come here to the U.S. to really help promote an advancement. And that was my thing. So I had no idea about career planning. I had no idea about life planning, much less. And I did um, a non-traditional way of deciding, okay, I don't like math. I won't major in math or sciences. I don't like to write too much, So even though I love to write now, but I don't want to major in literature. So I decided for business and I thought, business would be a good avenue to always have that secure job (laughs) and I if you're seeing me I'm like air coding that secure job because that's part of like clearly what happens into chapter three of my life volume three of where realizing that wasn't for me so needless to say I accomplished the dream. I graduate college. I graduate with top honors. I get a a job out of college doing public accounting. And I, the whole works, I even got an offer to move to San Francisco. And it was like, you know, like I had just, I I don't think I ever saw my parents so happy and emotional until the day of my graduation of college. So that was a really great point. Um, so that's chapter one. I, I go to college, I graduate, I move to San Francisco. In San Francisco, I'm doing this job. This is chapter volume two. I'm doing this job. And I don't know if you've ever, I mean, Jackie, you know, you, as a lawyer, you bill hours. It's all about the hours, billing the hours and the, the grind. And I was just miserable. And I remember I did that for three years and I remember thinking I had a boyfriend at the time and I told him, gosh, I hate this job so much. I sometimes wish I would get into a car accident. Like the words you say when you're so depressed and you don't realize how soul, you know, sucking those jobs. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. That resonates with me because there was at a point in my life too, I was like, I fucking hate my job. 
Yes. I kept saying that. I'm like, I am miserable. This is not making me happy. Why? And, but, you know, because you're first generation, yes, Latin American, you're doing this because your family said, no, this is the way, this is the American dream. Mm -hmm. And so you go and you get it done. And then you're like, shit. (laughs) I'm supposed to have a ride. Why do I hate this so much? Right? Yes. Yeah. It was real. It was very real. Oh my God. So tell us, okay. So you're like hating, telling the universe you hate it. You know, get me into a car accident. Yeah, wishing horrible things, right? Like the power of language, like, you know, we'll come back to that piece of what I learned. I did, it was 2000, late 2008, 2009, before the current pandemic, financial crisis, and I still decide I need to get out of this. So that was great. I get out, I put my resume out there, the universe supports me, I get a job quickly within six weeks that I decided I'm done and I get a job and it was wonderful. Um, and it was still in a, in finance and I realized I still hate it. And so at that point I decide I'm going to change careers. I really have to, like, I have to do something. This is my life, but keep in mind, I had gone to college for five years because I got a bachelor's and master's in accounting. And at that point I had already worked four years in finance. So there was this it's funny now because you're, you're, we have the gift of being older and looking back. But at that point, it seemed like half of my life had been in this making of this career and I was going to switch it completely. But I did come to terms that I had to let that go and I had to step into something I love. And at that point, I was really picking up that I love at the company I worked for, it was which was a Fortune 500 company big marketing firm and sales organization, I started to really network and get myself out there to discover what potentially could I do. And I just, I I realized I was interested in in marketing and an opportunity came to join a team in sales. So the reason I say this is, you know, there's that intuition. I don't know if you felt that before, but that intuition that says like, this isn't for you. This isn't what you're here to do. And I'm so grateful. I started to make those connections to change. So I changed careers a week after I moved career. Like finally, I, I think I made it right. I think I'm making yeah, all I, have <laughs> I have arrived. I have arrived. <laughs> A week after, I get a call from my sister saying that my second oldest sister, Karen, had been taken to the ER, that she had lost weight 20 pounds significantly over the last week, and they didn't know what was wrong, and they had taken her to the ER, and that they would keep me posted. And I was like, okay. And my thought was like, okay, that's really weird. But that was the thought. That's very weird. So a day later, um, you know, we're checking in, checking in. A day later, uh, they call to tell me that the doctors have diagnosed that she has stage four gastritic cancer, which is stomach cancer. And I just remember thinking like, what, what, what? how does, how does a family member have cancer? We had not had anybody pass away or had any type of illness um, prior. I mean, my great grandmother lived at like 102. So we just, it was such a shock. And this is where, despite that shock, 
I knew I had to go back and be in Houston. And I was supported by the universe. The boss that had hired me into sales was like Puerto Rican, my mentor. And he said, Diana, the most important thing is familia. You go. And I dropped everything. And I went to Houston for two weeks. Mind you, my sister was let go from the hospital because she didn't have insurance. This is 2008, 2009. They, uh, she had lost her job like a few months earlier. And so it was not just her diagnosis, but what to do in these panic areas where insurance is real, right? We live in America, America operates on insurance. And so it was quite a turmoil, quite in what, like, how does this happen? Right? So through the grace of God, again, supported, somebody told us of an insurance that would give to um, low income because she didn't have an income she qualified and so we got her insurance and she was bumped through network it was just again it, it happened so fast between that call that she was taking to the er to getting released to me being in houston it was within seven days that we got her insurance but it was the most stressful time one of them i'll tell the second the most stressful time but one of the most stressful time of just like how does this happen right so we get her into treatment and karen battles cancer for a year and she loses her life to cancer so that was our first big blow and i i share it because what my reaction to grief was well death happens move on. And everybody kept telling me, be strong, be strong. So I took that to heart, like be strong. And I went right back to work two weeks after we buried her and pretended like it was fine. I, I wasn't fine, but I didn't know how to express it. Keep in mind, grew up in a Latino family, work very hard. You just get shit done. There is no room for emotion, no room for breakdowns. And I was paddling to keep my head above water, but I didn't know how to process what was going on. I didn't know what, how to process. So that led into anxiety that led into depression. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's not a good space to be, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't say that from a judgment standpoint. I say that, that it is definitely a dark, dark time to be in that space. 15 months later, my sister, we're all going through our existential crisis. My other sister, the third oldest, Raquel, she at this point had decided to move to Korea to be an English teacher. This is her fulfilling her dreams. She at this point is about early 30s and she thinks she's missed out on all her 20s. Again, you know, perspective. She thinks her life is over. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, like, oh my God, like, you know, when you're closer to 40 into your 50s, they're like, I still got a lot to live. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seems so um it, she she was very hard on herself and um I happened to go visit her in Korea and the, the day before I was gonna come back she and I both had a couple of drinks she got very intoxicated and that night she actually took her life so she died by suicide which was the second worst most horrible thing that's ever happened and the shock of que pasó por qué why the questions and the the way in which i was just like what and again separate the universe supports you i cannot tell you how many people 
the teachers that she worked with rolled up their sleeves and helped me through that process because we it was the whole works of okay i called my dad i was like i, I was just I, could, I don't even know what i said but i was like Pasó algo? and he's like no digas nada, yo sé. Like he knew and we didn't have to express it. And he goes, no más tráela. And I, and that was my, my mandate to bring her body back. So 15 months later, we're burying my sister. And that was February, 2014. It's been eight years that she passed. And that's what led to the end of volume two of my life where the questions really became, okay, you can't just go back to work and pretend you got your shit together that's why I love this podcast because I had to get my shit together I couldn't pretend life was okay no it wasn't it was it was hard and I had really had a real loss in terms of one was I could justify in a weird way like oh she had cancer it wasn't her choice but when somebody decides to take their life it really makes you question like what state they're in and separate I could understand her depression because I had been there I hadn't been depressed enough to make that action, but I could understand that darkness because it was heavy. And it leads me to chapter three of, I had to roll up my sleeves and start asking, okay, Diana, let's get real with this grief. Let's get real with this loss. Let's get real with life. And those questions, I don't think many give ourselves permission to ask those questions, but if you do, wow, that could be transformative wow to really own your life and say hey this has happened that when i when all that happened i think i was 29 as i reflect yeah i was, I was about to turn 30 so i was about to hit my 30s and everything i had done the work hard the check the box the get the promotions yes they were nice and yes in paper i did the things but it wasn't what my life was about it wasn't it wasn't Oh my goodness, amiga. This is heavy stuff. Yes. You you really, I mean, I see you today, you would never know that, that mm -hmm. this is what you went through. And, um, and obviously now in your chapter three, it's like you're taking everything, all these experiences and helping women, uh, helping people out there because you know exactly, especially with the, I mean, in my opinion, the passing of your sister, Raquel, yeah. how that, I mean, how can we normalize that people need help, you know, like really need help and, and, and people don't want to say anything, don't want to say anything because of fear. You know, there's all these things. I mean, Depression and anxiety are very dark and real. I know that. I mean, thank God that, that, you know, I've gotten out of those dark spaces, yeah. but it's how can we normalize that, you know, we go to, you know, a health coach to get us lean and fit, but yet we're so embarrassed to ask for help yeah. in therapy, mental therapy. I, I can just honestly, I, I'm, I'm in awe of, of who you are okay. and how, how did you get yourself out of that? I think that was the big turning point is I remember that between my first sister passing 
and my second between Karen and Raquel that and then like it was a year later so collectively it had been total of three years from Karen passing and then in between Raquel at three years later and I was so depressed and I just was in my bed in the weekend and and mind you I was operating fully at work I don't think people knew you know like they didn't I wasn't admitting I wasn't sharing and part of the normalizing is sharing our story because I don't share it for one, it is therapeutic to share. And two, I want people to know that these are real things. We are still in the pandemic. So many people have lost loved ones. Grief is not a pain I wish on anybody. And yet it is something that we will experience if we love somebody and many of us unfortunately will of course different times right we don't know when but it's important to talk about this because we are going to experience it so what happens when we do experience it so coming back how did i get out this is again where i just feel the universe comes in and supports you and i remember being in bed in a weekend and i distinctly looked outside my bedroom window and I just heard the birds chirping so loud. And I thought, okay, they're like distinctly chirping. <laughs> like, why are they like, they weren't like going away. And I was like, huh. And then I just remember thinking, and this, I don't know how the thought came, but I, I thought, God, just send me a life coach. <laughs> that was it. I didn't say send me to therapy. I had gone to therapy. I wasn't feeling that I was making progress. But I said, send me a, a life coach. And a week later, and out of all the places, I meet my mentor. And she is a five-time cancer survivor. Oh, wow. And she said, and I, and I was like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a I'm a cancer coach is specifically what she said. And I was like, how did you become a cancer coach? Like, I was just like, like, like a life coach, but for cancer, she's like, yeah, I help patients. I help survivors. And she's chirpy. You think I'm chirpy? She's chirpy. Wow. She's like, oh, it's because I'm a five-time cancer survivor. And I just loved, loved the way she could say that with grace and honor and i knew i needed a piece of what she was eating i was like what are you having for breakfast i need to eat what you're eating and and and, and again it was the the thought that came the prayer and then knowing that there were no accidents that was not an accident and i still work with her she's i got trained through her program she's still a mentor i work with her on um, cancer journey institute i'll give a shout out and it's just these are the things that in the darkest times, there are resources, there is support, there is help. And if you don't know where to go, there is a thing called google.com that you can Google anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> and if right. that's not your jam, go to YouTube. And if that's not your jam, hashtag on Instagram. It, it really isn't that alone when you give yourself permission. Yes, and I think that's exactly what you're saying. Give yourself permission. Yes. And I think it, we as Latinas don't do that. Mm -mm. We don't, we're not, we're not taught to, to give ourselves permission. I think that as Latinas, we're taught to give and make sure everybody around us is safe. We don't know how to give to us. And I really am a proponent on let's put on our oxygen mask first. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I keep preaching that to everybody. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. you know, I, it's, it's, I feel like we should be selfish. Like if we complete oh, yeah. our ourselves, then mm-hmm. we can pour over to other people. Absolutely. Whereas as being Latino, that's not the concept that we grow up with. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. Primero todos los demás, you know, tú al último. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and sacrificio. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. that's in, indoctrinated in our DNA. Absolutely. Like, you know, for you to put yourself first, what? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Absolutely. So I'm so happy that you're saying this. So, Amiga, wow. So you have this mentor and you transition out of marketing completely. Like, you yeah. know, you know, so now you have your business. Yes. as a life coach. And yes. can you tell us a little bit how, what do you do? Because I know that part of, um, from our talk before, it's like, there's all these mother wounds. And I really yes. want to tap into that because if anything, you know, so please yes. tell us how is yes. it that our mother wounds, we carry this throughout our lives? Absolutely. Well, let me share that. When I met my mentor, and work with her and started to get deep, like no more, like it, I just got obsessed, you know, and I, and I love to master things. So I have this, like, I need to stop sometimes because I just go deep, but I, I was like swimming in the dark cloud for three years. I met my mentor within six months, my life changed. Like I, I met her in October and I remember by that March, I was like, I feel good. Like I could talk about it. I wasn't uh ashamed about it you know i could just i started to share at work that i would have felt depressed that i had felt anxiety like that's how i knew it wasn't it like i say it's it's not that grief goes away it's you learn to dance with that journey and it learns to you take control over it it loosens its grip on you so for me i just got obsessed with like how did life coaching work? Why didn't therapy work as effectively? And, and I like to do things fast too. So that's my other thing. <laughs> I'm like very impatient, but I just got so obsessed with how this was such an effective medium for me. And I realized, well, we need to like, we need more life coaches. We need to be talking about this. And I feel that, you know, this is five years ago at this point or going on six. I, I don't life coaching, maybe because now I'm in the field, I see life coaches everywhere, but I don't remember it being a thing back then. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. But for me, what I realized that there there's pockets in coaching women, I inherently coach women, I do coach men, actually, I actually have like 30% male clients, which is awesome. What I've realized, and some of the common themes is that how we respond to life and life circumstances is a lot, almost all of it based on our upbringing Mm -hmm. and based on our relationships with our parents. And for my dad, he's a non-emotional, doesn't talk about it, but he'll have his little drink on the weekend, you know? So I knew I picked up on those tendencies in my early twenties. With my mom, I realized that there was nurturing that I was craving, which is why the impact, the loss of my sister was so difficult because they provided that space that my mother didn't. Now I'm at a place where I understand that my mom did the best that she could. She learned from her own mother. So these wounds that are with the mom and with father, but really with mom, especially as women, 
I, you know, when we come back to think about how women are Latinas are, you know, like everybody else first, right? So in my mom's eyes, she did everything right by her because she was sacrificing to make sure everybody was financially, you know, like I comida en la casa, you know, that was her motto. But the emotion piece, she just didn't know how to do that. And she got that from her mother. So when we give, when we realize, oh my gosh, I have this deep stuff of how, for me, I needed nurturing. I needed to know I was loved. I never heard the words, I loved you until my sister's past. True story. I didn't hear those words. I didn't realize how that had affected me. That's the reason why when I first responded to grief, I just did the best thing I could, which was go work, because that's what I had seen from my parents. That's what I had seen from my mother. Sacrifice yourself, go work. And so it's, it's not just the mother wound, it's also the generation that you're really working with or working against, however you want to look at it. But what I do know is that when, and I've seen this common thread consistently with all the women I've coached, what I do know is that when we give ourselves permission to heal that mother wound, which some of it requires sometimes boundaries, sometimes that requires saying no to moms, sometimes that might be actually putting physical distance, not always answering the phone when it's a hectic, you know, panic call. Like so many of my clients tell me how their moms call, call them and say, no me muerto, you know, and you're like, Okay, thanks, right? It's that like passive aggressive condescending statement when really you're like, okay, you miss me, but you don't know how to say that. So you're going to make me feel guilty. <laughs> There's so much of that to unpack. But what I realize is when we give ourselves permission, put those boundaries and heal, put on our oxygen mask, then we can move into a space of compassion, understand where they're coming from and realize, okay, it's not about me. It's not. They're on their journey too but we got to put on our oxygen mask. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, many amigas out there will resonate with this because, I mean, I've had so many conversations about, you know, there's this conflict between mom and daughter okay. and like always. And it's like, I feel like I have a daughter and I don't want that conflict. I'm like, so I work on myself yes. completely to heal those wounds because I see sometimes the uh, my my mom in me and I'm like stop it stop it <laughs> stop yeah. it you know that's not what I want no that's not what I want so it's, uh, we got to work through these things we because do. you know it if we don't stop it it's just going to continue it's kind of like the cycle yeah. right it's a cycle. Yeah. I, I, it reminds me of one of a coach that I had once who was, who just said it in a way that resonated, which is when you heal, it's an honor because you're breaking those generational change from your past and your future. And you chose this and I'm very much into universal growth and soul plans and that there's purpose and meaning. And I, I really do believe that. Like, I, I don't think we're just like an earth being. I, I do believe we live and we have a purpose as a soul. And when she said that, I was just like, yeah, yeah. Like I am changing something very different in this lineage. And that is an honor to me, that is an honor. And oh, by the way, I chose my mom 
whoa, she played her role really good. <laughs> like she really, <laughs> what we set out to do, she did her part and it's my turn to do my part too, putting on my oxygen mask. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, how we had that discussion is like, I know that I chose my mom. Mm-hmm. And I, and I know that I'm like, oh my God, like when, when that concept was introduced, I thought, really? Why? <laughs> totally. <laughs> really? Why? Yeah. But, you know, as you get older and wiser, you start to understand, I see why mm-hmm. I needed that for whatever situation happened at that to- yeah. point in time. Right. So, ah, oh, this is a beautiful conversation. My goodness. And I can't even believe it's already like been 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, amiga. Well, you know what? I mean, thank you so much for that. And, um, you know, I always ask my, my, my guests, you know, if they could provide like a tip or two on how an amiga can handle her shit. Cause I'm girl, you've been handling it. <laughs> Uh, yes, I love this question and I wrote it down. So I'm going to read it because I, I didn't want to forget exactly what I want to say. The first tip is amiga own your story and acknowledge where what you've been through and where you are right now. And I remember, I'll just quick story. I had a friend of mine, Latino, first generation, and he applied to an Ivy League school for business school. And he his application is like, oh, I have a traditional Latino story. And I was like, no, you got to own your story. We got to own our story. And I, I, I think it's a little sad that we're not owning our stories because we are here to make an impact. So the first way we start to make an impact is by owning our story. So now I want to go into a practical tip of how to own your story. And if you're not in the position or don't feel safe yet to own your story, you can start by simply journaling and writing down everything that you've been through. And when you look back, even a month from now or a year from now and look at that story and what you read, and then you can reflect and say, wow, I've been through a lot and look at where I've where I am now, that's power. That's power. So gain your power back. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. And you're right. Like we undermine our stores because it's like, oh, it's typical. Oh yeah. First generation, whatever immigrant, you know, it's like, like, aren't we all the same? But no, even (laughs) that in itself is not the same. Yeah. Like, so Oh, I love this, Amiga. You own your story and journal. And I and I'm a big proponent of journaling because it's it's in, in writing yes. that there's this release. Yes. This amazing Therapeutic. release. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much thank for you. these amazing tips. Because and you know, let me tell you something. Not one amiga that and I've had 70 now episodes. They're all different. Their tips are so different. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. And the majority, and the majority are Latinas. Yeah. So amigas, own your story. Own, own your story. story. Ah, thank you so much, Diana, for being wow. here with us at Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. You're most welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe 
rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.